Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Novel Approved and Emerging IL-36 Receptor Inhibitors for the Treatment of GPP. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical educational grant from Beringer Ingelheim. Hello, my name is Jonathan Barker. I'm the Professor of Medical Dermatology at St. John's Institute of Dermatology in London, which is affiliated with Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospitals and King's College London. And I'd like to welcome you to this program about generalized pustular psoriasis. Generalized pustular psoriasis, or GPP, is characterized by red, tender, inflamed skin covered with pustules and scaling of the skin, which can be widespread throughout all of the body. It's a very serious disease, and its prevalence is highly variable throughout the world. It's frequently associated with systemic symptoms, including fever and malaise, and also has important other disease associations. It's associated with other forms of psoriasis, particularly psoriasis vulgaris, and also an inflammatory arthritis. GPP is a very serious form of psoriasis, which can be fatal and often has very large adverse effects on quality of patients' lives. The primary clinical signs and symptoms are inflamed skin, which can be very widespread and typically doesn't involve the palms and the soles. Pustules are universally present. And sometimes there is extensive scaling or desquamation as the pustules resolve. The disease can cause patients to feel very unwell. Often they will have a fever, they will have an arthralgia, and on blood tests, you can clearly detect high CRP and neutrophilia. Most cases of GPP are seen in people in their middle years. The disease has a considerable variation in the clinical picture. So some patients will have a chronic inflammation of the skin with pustulation, and other patients will have a much more episodic disease characterized by waves of inflammation and pustules in the skin and systemic features. It is this huge variation in the clinical picture that leads to difficulties in management of this potentially life-threatening disease. So next, we'll examine some of the common therapies that we use for the treatment of GPP. Treatment goals in GPP are very important. One needs to consider control of the skin signs and symptoms, control of the systemic signs and symptoms, and also management of the diseases associated with GPP, namely its comorbidities. The skin requires both rapid control and sustained control. And usually, if the skin signs and symptoms are well managed, the systemic issues associated with the disease are well managed at the same time. Historically, the treatments that we've used to treat GPP have been borrowed from the treatments that we have for the normal form of psoriasis called psoriasis vulgaris. And it's important to remember that many of these treatments are much more effective in psoriasis vulgaris, so often control of the disease of GPP is suboptimal. Indeed, in the past, it was quite common that patients would require hospital admission as well as medication to try and control their disease. With respect to specific treatments that we have available, 
We use both the standard oral systemic drugs that we use to treat psoriasis and also psoriasis biologic therapies. Until very recently in Europe, there were no licensed systemic treatments for GPP, but this has changed with the advent of a new drug called spezolimab. Currently, this drug is licensed in an IV formulation for the treatment of GPP flares. So when treating GPP, our practice to date has been often to admit these patients for conservative management and bed rest prior to commencing systemic therapy. And systemic therapy will often start with one of the standard systemics, namely methotrexate, cyclosporin, or the retinoid um, acetretin. And if they don't work, or there are contraindications to their usage, we will consider use of the psoriasis biologics, including the TNF inhibitors, the interleukin-17 inhibitors, and the interleukin-23 inhibitors. Generally speaking, when using the biologic treatments, we will start with a TNF inhibitor preferring to use drugs that have a rapid onset of action. So in general, in our unit, if using a standard systemic, we are more likely to use cyclosporin. And if using a, a biologic, we will frequently start with infliximab. Now that we've seen some of the limitations of the commonly used treatments for GPP, let's review the rationale for the use of IL-36 receptor inhibitors in treating GPP. So how has the understanding of the pathophysiology of GPP allowed us to start developing more effective treatments? Well, the story of our understanding of the pathophysiology of GPP started back in 2011 with the discussion discovery of genetic mutations associating with individuals with the disease. And these genetic mutations were observed in the interleukin-36 receptor antagonist, clearly pointing to a role of IL-36 in the pathophysiology of the disease. Since those original genetic discoveries, it's become clear that IL-36 mutations cause GPP in about 25 to 30% of cases. But even in the cases that don't have the IL-36 receptor mutations, it's quite clear from immunological studies that IL-36 is the primary pathophysiological pathway and that overexpression of IL-36 leads to GPP. IL-36 is a pro-inflammatory cytokine that leads to neutrophil chemotaxis, i.e. attraction of neutrophils into the epidermis, and release of other inflammatory cytokines, which cause the systemic symptoms and features of the disease, such as neutrophilia and fever. So it's clear that IL-36 is central to the disease. Fortunately, since these original genetic discoveries, Biologic medicines have been developed that target the interleukin-36 receptor and thus prevent interleukin-36 binding to it and thus preventing the pro-inflammatory cytokine cascade that IL-36 causes. There are two drugs in particular that have been developed. One is called spezolimab and the second drug is called imsodilimab. Now let's review some of the efficacy data for our IL-36 receptor inhibitors. Let's look at the efficacy data. 
The first drug we're going to talk about is spezolimab. The results are very clear. Spezolimab led to resolution of pustules in 54% of patients, whereas placebo, it was 6%. This is a huge difference and quite clearly highly statistically significant. Other efficacy endpoints were looked at, and again, the results were very similar. Thus, 43% of patients on spezolimab had their GPPGA improved at week one compared with 11% for placebo. Again, a highly significant result. Not only did the drug seem to work very quickly, i.e. within one week, but the response to the drug was sustained over 12 weeks. Patient reported outcomes such as DLQI also improved very significantly and corroborate the objective outcomes. More recently, another study has been performed using spezolimab subcutaneously as opposed to intravenously. The primary efficacy endpoint was the time to first flare. And as you can see, from this slide, particularly at the high dose used of subcutaneous spizolimab, there was a very significant improvement in preventing flare compared with placebo. So it would appear that spizolimab is useful in the acute management of GPP flares and in the long-term management by preventing flares. Let's move to the second interleukin-36 inhibitor, namely imsidilumab. And this drug also has been assessed in randomized clinical control trials for the treatment of GPP flares. This was a phase two study and enrolled a small number of patients, which I think reflects the fact that this is a rare disease. The primary efficacy endpoint used in this study was the clinical global impression. And as you can see from this slide, 75% of patients were responders at weeks four and weeks 16. And of the responders, 50% were very much improved. Secondary endpoints also showed improvement in patients after receiving the drug, and this included patient-reported outcomes. And we await the full results of this phase three study, but the primary endpoint top-line result is that 53% of patients became clear or almost clear after a single intravenous dose of imsodilumab, compared with 13% of patients on placebo at week four. And in our last session, we'll focus on the clinical safety data for these agents. In randomized controlled trials, it's very important to consider safety as well as efficacy. Further, it's important that we recognize the limitations of randomized controlled trials with respect to accumulation of safety data and that's why when we start to use these drugs in the clinic, we collect real-life data as part of a pharmacovigilance program, which in some countries is performed through national registers. Nevertheless, the safety data collected from both of these drugs is really very encouraging at this moment in time. Because the drugs work through interference with immune mechanisms, it's very important that we look for any signs of infection 
And while there have been small signals for simple infections, such as upper respiratory tract infections, there have been no major signals at all. Bear in mind that screening for tuberculosis is a prerequisite before using these agents. It's also important, particularly when using drugs via the intravenous infusion, that one considers hypersensitivity reactions. And again, the data that has been collected so far has been very reassuring. With subcutaneous administration of drug, we always need to consider injection site reactions. And these have been reported, but they're usually very transient and self-limiting. So generally speaking, with the limited safety data that we have to date, commensurate with the small numbers of patients who have received these medicines so far. The signs are really very encouraging, but of course, as I mentioned, pharmacovigilance is important when we start to use these medicines in daily practice. So in conclusion, I think that the future for our patients with generalized pustular psoriasis is much brighter than it was just a year or two ago. We now know that GPP is very different from psoriasis vulgaris, and it's important that the treatments for them are therefore different. We know that interleukin-36 is central to the pathophysiology of GPP, and now, fortunately, we have biologic drugs that target this pathway. So we have a specific treatment for a rare life-threatening disease, and the future for our patients is therefore much brighter. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.